Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. You're hearing a lot in the news about the Northern Irish Protocol and the British government should indicate what it believes is the tipping point for a referendum on Irish unity. That's according to the Sinn Féin leader, Mary Lou MacDonald. Uh, Mary Lou MacDonald said a priority for her was that the preparations for a border poll should begin and added that those conversations need to include unionists in Northern Ireland. Sinn Féin recently topped the poll here in Northern Ireland, or should I say in Northern Ireland Assembly elections, for the first time. And a number of opinion polls have shown the party with a lead among decided voters also in the Republic and as you see over the weekend there wasn't a poll in most of the papers that suggested that Sinn Féin were way ahead and increased their lead over Fine Gael and Phil Now she did appear on Sky News and Sophie Ridge on Sunday pro- Sunday's programme and Miss McDonald said she was asked what was her tipping point for calling for a referendum and she said there will have to be two referendums in the North and in the South in both jurisdictions. At this point the big priority for me she said and for us is that the preparation for such referendums get underway. Well I want to know how you feel about that by the way and there has been numerous polls in newspapers including the Belfast Telegraph some time ago and it always indicates in and around 50-50 for support for a united Ireland. But I want to know how you feel about it today, how our listeners feel about it. So I want you to text or WhatsApp and I want you to kind of pretend that you're involved because I don't believe you will be. Um, but you will have to, te- there will have to be a referendum on whether there is a poll in the first place. So I want to, you're in the polling station, you're standing there and you have a vote. Take into consideration the pros and the cons of a united Ireland and it is quite complicated and I'll go through some of those pros and cons in a few minutes. But take into consideration all the pros and cons do you support the idea of a united Ireland? So you're going to take yes or no and just WhatsApp or text us right now on 087-188-0008. But on the line is Colin Harvey, who's a professor of human rights law in Queen's University, Belfast. Good afternoon to you, Colin. Thank you very much now. Thank you for the invitation to be here. Uh, well, look, it's quite a complicated time, a historical time as well, with the British government, well, according to the EU and Michal Martin, breaking international law. They suggest they're not breaking the law, although maybe breaking the spirit of the Northern Ireland Good Friday Agreement. Um, so it is a complicated time, which in turn, I suppose, pushes us towards this idea of a united Ireland. Would it, I mean, would it benefit all of us or could it be a disaster? Well, I think just revisit something you said already. I think what's been really remarkable is that the language is about planning and preparing properly on this island for potential change. And, you know, if you think about it, it's unsurprising in the context of Brexit. Northern Ireland was removed from the European Union against its will. The European Union has made clear there's an automatic re-entry option to the European Union. So in some senses, it would be bizarre if we weren't having this conversation Today and I think it's really it's, it's actually commendable really, to see in universities and elsewhere in civic society people trying to have an evidence-based discussion, talking the language that you've just mentioned around preparing responsibly. And I think you know the Irish government clearly ha- has a leadership role in that as well, just to prepare for for whatever eventualities may emerge in the future. And always worth keeping in mind, this is absolutely at the centre of the Good Friday Agreement as well. So it seems to me like the smart thing to do. But. When you talk about preparing, you talk about human rights, of course. Somebody's human rights are going to be violated by United Ireland. Whether you win, lose or draw, somebody's human rights. Because there are people, as we're well aware, in Northern Ireland who believe they are British and who are British. And there are people who believe they're Irish and want to be part of a republic. So in saying that, no matter which way this goes, somebody's going to be upset. 
But that's exactly why we have the, the Good Friday Agreement framework to really guide this process that tries to make sure that, that whatever choice is made about the future, that people's rights are protected, that people's identity is respected, and people need to bear in mind and reflect today that the Good Friday Agreement already contains protections that will need to be guaranteed you know, if there were to be constitutional change uh, on this, this island. So I think today is a good moment, really, to reaffirm, if you like, that Good Friday Agreement framework that tries to ensure that whatever happens, right, whatever the people of Northern Ireland decide about their future, their rights, identity will be protected and respected. I mean, looking at the idea of a united Ireland, I can see certainly a lot of pros. Uh, experts predict that within eight years, the economy could be booming between Northern Ireland and Ireland as a whole island. But then you have, I suppose, the negative aspects of it. Uh, the majority of people in Northern Ireland, well, many are on either disability payments or work for the state. A large amount of people work for the state. Where are they all going to work? They have a much better health service than we have down here, so they're going to have to get used to a very inferior health service that they have to pay for. Either that or we're going to get it for free, one or the other. Uh, There are lots of complications in law, including tax rates, uh, VAT rates. Everything would have to change where Northern Irish people are going to have to pay a little bit more. Mind you, they might get paid a bit more. uh, Or the Southern Irish people are going to have to get uh, pay less or get paid less. So how are we going to work all those things out? That would take a decade, I imagine. Well, now, that's why there's such an emphasis at the moment on advanced planning and preparing and doing the hard work in advance. Uh, Nobody wants to rush into a referendum here next week. People want to get this right. People have watched the absolute mess of Brexit unfold, and I think there's no, no, no desire for repetition of that. It's very noticeable there's a lot of work going on within universities and projects, trying to just to drill down into the things you've already mentioned there. And now one of the things that we're already seeing from some of that work is there's a lot of myths on the island. There's a lot of myths about how the health services north and south actually perform. There's a lot of myths around what's happening in the here and now. I've witnessed I've witnessed both, Colin, because I live more than 60% of my week. I live in Northern Ireland uh, and I live down here 40% of the week. So I've witnessed both the Ulster Hospital and, say, Tala or Matter Hospital or whatever, Beaumont Hospital and the way A&Es operate. And I can tell you just from my own personal experience on the numerous occasions that I visited hospital on both sides of the border, it is a much more efficient system. Well, I think the, the key thing for me at the moment really is to work out what the proposals are for the future. And I think one of the things you've, you've raised is a question of a United Ireland. Well, we, we don't know at the moment what that means. You know, if there's a referendum tomorrow or you've posed a question there. So I think the work at the moment is around fleshing out what exactly is the proposition on the table so that when people do eventually in the years ahead come to vote in the referendums, that they, they actually know what the proposals are. So I think at the moment, to be totally candid, we don't actually know what the proposition is, unless you're suggesting that the North just be absor- absorbed entirely into the South as it is at the moment, then we're going to be talking about something new. And I suppose what's already clear in a lot of the proposals is that health service reform, North and South, is going to be a big part of any proposal that's going to be attractive or appealing to people. It's going to have to be front and centre of that. I mean, the other thing as well is you're saying we need to take our time and think about this. It, it could be a 10-year plan where we start, you know, flashing at all the details of all the different complications, i.e., you know, the British people will suggest that Northern Ireland is a financial burden on the UK, which has been suggested in the past because at one point, wasn't it something around 16 billion, of course, uh, Northern Ireland was being subsidised to the tune of. But uh, again, we- you know, 
on that, worth pointing out, people like uh, Professor John Doyle at DCU has really been exploding some of those myths around the subvention. And, you know, I think that's why we need just to do the work, gather the evidence, get ready. There's some suggestion that towards, perhaps towards the end of this decade, we may be facing into to, to some of this, but it could come sooner, sooner because the British government really controls the mechanism to start this. So, well, so this is my next it, question. I mean, yeah, you're, you're yeah. saying we should take time, and I agree with you, yeah. and I think everybody agrees yeah. with, you, with your position on it. But, yeah. you know, with this legislation today, due to be published today, which will give ministers the power to override elements of the protocol, which is jointly agreed by the UK and the EU as part of the Brexit withdrawal agreement to keep the Irish land border free-flowing, if that legislation goes through today, this could force a referendum a lot quicker than we needed to come. And that's precisely why I simply don't understand why the Irish government isn't much more proactive on planning and preparing for this now. I think there's an urgency about this because ideally we would all like to have a, a lead into all this where the planning and prepare, preparing is done. But you and I know that this current British government, you know, and you couldn't really trust them uh, to, to, to play ball in relation to that. Well, I, said, so, I said this three years ago. I had a bet yeah. on, actually, with my producer going back, for, well, four years ago when the, when Brexit happened, uh, initially at the start when it was voted for. And I said, I guarantee you there'll be a customs man standing in the middle of the road in Uri at some point. And it looks like we're heading towards that because, of course, if the protocol, uh, you know, is abolished or uh, well, they say that what they're doing is not illegal, although not in the spirit of the Good Friday Agreement, I can honestly see a return to violence. And I, by the way, I don't want, I'm not trying to preempt that and I, I don't want to see that happening, but we can start to see some of that happening already with the suggestion, you know, that we put a border or we have some sort of economic border between, you know, uh, the south of Ireland and the north of Ireland. And that is on the way. Well, I think, first of all, we need to just, again, reaffirm the Good Friday Agreement, commitment to peaceful and democratic means only but obviously you know one part of the island is outside the european union and one part of it is inside the european union so in that context where there is a very very firm desire on this island to see no return to to the hard borders of the past i think it it has accelerated the discussion about potential reunification and really the point today and the responsible language that's been used by by people is around preparing properly i think there is a huge onus in the irish government to get ready and to do that work in advance. And we are heading into unprecedented, you know, uncharted territory around this. And, you know, this island could, could be thrust into these referendums without the preparation being done. So I think there's an urgency around that now. Obviously, what the UK government, you know, what Westminster is doing is, is appalling, you know, in terms of undermining an international agreement. But we can't always on this island be reacting to the latest mess emerging from Westminster. I think there's an onus on people on this island to be much more proactive in getting ready for the potential that people in Northern Ireland could be offered this choice in the years ahead. Do you believe it's a breach of international law? Because I've heard numerous commentators, political and otherwise, some suggest it is a breach of international law, others suggest no, but it may be not in the spirit of the Good Friday Agreement, but certainly not a breach of international law. Do you believe it's a breach of international law? Well, we're obviously waiting to see the proposals this afternoon, but everything I've heard so far is that in relation to the protocol, the UK government is clearly planning to to breach that international agreement by unilaterally you know, walking away, overriding key parts of it. Obviously, we're waiting to see the details of that, but, you know, I'm convinced and persuaded by what I've heard so far that, yes, their attempts to override this international agreement 
is in the territory of breaching international law. But look, this isn't necessarily uh, new. You know, this current government has a fairly poor record in relation to Northern Ireland. We've seen what it's done in relation to legacy, for example, so it has formed. And in, in relation to Mary Lou MacDonald, I'm not too sure whether you've seen her interview on Sophie Ridge uh, on Sunday morning. Um, did, you, did you watch the interview? I haven't seen the interview, no, but I've, I've seen reports of the interview, yeah. It, well, it seemed to go down quite well. I got a very good reaction, uh, particularly because yeah. she was allowed to speak. But you said we have to have a very wide all-of-society conversation, and that has to include unionism, uh, those who will campaign against reunification, those for whom we move uh, into uh, United Ireland. This will not be their first preference. Um, and as I said to you already, there are there's always going to be somebody unhappy about any decisions that are made regarding United Ireland. And I have fear of that, and that's the fear I think we all have going forward. And you're right, it's going to take time. But it may, I, I always believed it would take a generation uh, because obviously you've got some people who, are, who still are around and were, went through the troubles. And, you know, there is a lot of resentment, of course, still in Northern Ireland. I, I wouldn't, from being up there all the time, actually, it's nothing people think. It's actually a wonderful place to be. But in saying that, there is still some resentment around. And I think we need a generation to get away from that, maybe. I think everything we're talking about today is about managing and preparing for this. Um, There is a framework set out in the Good Friday Agreement, but I also think this could come sooner than people realise. You know, I think there's a real risk of complacency. There's a real risk that when people use the language of a generation, it just puts off doing the work. I think what what we really need to be doing on this island is just doing the work of getting ready for making the proposals for, for when these referendums actually happen. And I do think they could arrive sooner than people anticipate, particularly if this current government in London continues on its current trajectory. So I think... The wise thing to do is get ready on this island as soon as possible. Prepare for, prepare for the worst, as they say, Colin. Prepare for <laughs> the, the worst. Or, or the, the, be- or the or best. Or the opp- opportunities as well. The Absolutely. Opportunities as well. Listen, thank yeah. you very much indeed. Colin Harvey, Professor of Human Rights and Law in Queen's University, Belfast. But I want to know how you feel about it uh, today, how you feel about a United Ireland. I think a lot of people in the Republic of Ireland, from what I've seen recently, I, I did put a poll up on Twitter going back some time ago, and it was kind of 50-50. Even and that was considering most of my demographic would have been in the south of Ireland, so it was kind of fifty-fifty. So there is an apathy towards it, and a kind of oh, I don't really know. I don't really care. There's a lot of I don't really care going on as well. But there are some staunch Republicans who many of you have heard on the radio on numerous occasions, uh, who are telling us that oh yeah, it has to happen. It has to happen. But I want to know what you think. The number is oh eight seven one double eight treble zero eight. That's oh eight seven one double eight treble zero eight. And uh, I want to go to Alan. Alan, you're on uh, Ireland's Classic Kits. How are you doing, Alan? How are you, Noel? How are you keeping? Or should I say you're on all Ireland's Classic Kits? All Ireland. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Please, God. Well, okay. Well, th- that's your view of it. You believe it's a good idea? Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, I mean, you know, obviously we'd have to iron out a lot of, you know, the financial aspects of it, as you said yourself, with the health service, taxes. But, I mean, I know you were saying there, when you are speaking to the other gentleman there, and you were saying, you know, Unionism has to come on board, which obviously it does have to, you know. I mean, we're, we're probably going to have to make sacrifices, I don't know, maybe... What sort sacrifice. of sacrifices are you willing to make? Well, are, you, are you willing to change the flag? Are you willing to change the national well, anthem? Are they all on the table? It's not something I'd, I'd personally like to see change myself, but, like, you know, if you want to if you want to bring it, like, you know, as an, as an, an overall society for everybody, I mean... Yeah, you will probably have to enter discussions, you know, maybe about doing things like that. Because, like, listen, I would be a Republican supporter, there's no doubt about it. But what I'm saying to you is, 
I'm also a supporter of the Good Friday Agreement and the peace we've had since, you know, since, you know, the ceasefire in 97. So, obviously, I would like to see unionism come aboard. Not all of them are going to. That's, that's fair enough, you know. Obviously, like, there's still that tribal mentality on both sides of the north. And I'd, I'd go up quite a bit. So, like, at the end of the day, I do understand where they're coming from. But we also have to remember there's a nationalist community in the north that want to see United Ireland as well. I mean, unionism has had a voice for so long because, you know, the majority was there, you know, they, mm-hmm. they held so much power. But now the tide is changing. And national, the nationalist people in the north are getting their own voice and they're getting to speak. And listen, it's not only about the DUP and Sinn Féin. The Alliance Party had a wonderful, wonderful... Results. They doubled the, well. They doubled their votes since the last they election. They did. They did. But, but does that does well. that does that suggest to you? And I know people in the north who vote for the Alliance Party, and the very mm. reason they vote for the Alliance Party is because they don't side with the Republicans or the Nationals or the Unionists or Loyalists either mm. way. So what they do is they stick in the middle somewhere. They're kind of undecided. Yeah, and I mean, well, you know, and we can see, as you said yourself, they double. So we can see that's growing. And like, what I mean, but the, I mean, does I mean, that not suggest to you that the there's a bit of an apathy towards it up there where it's kind of like, oh, we're kind of happy just, you know, being on our own or, you know, being our own country, maybe even not being part of the United Kingdom, but being a separate country, so to speak, as well, because there's so many complications around it. No, well, of course there is, you know, but I mean, as I said, we've seen the alliance grow, but there's still massive, massive support for the DUP and Sinn Féin. Obviously, Sinn Féin is growing both south and north, uh, you know, and you know a lot of people. But are, are they really? Uh, see, I wonder about Sinn Fein's popularity growing. And I, no, I know you're not really a Sinn Fein. No, 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 no. That's fine. Okay, look, that's Let's fine. Be honest now. But but no, I do wonder. And, and I in the last election here, for example, in the south, I believe Sinn Fein did extremely well. I'm not denying that, of course, they did extremely well, and they would have got elected to government if it hadn't been if they had to ran more candidates. But mm. in saying that. I do believe a lot of the votes they got were votes because people feel disenfranchised by the current government of Fine Gael, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and Labour. So, I, I, well, forget about the Greens, we can ignore them for the moment. But I do, yeah. I do believe it's because of ch- they want change. Now, I don't know whether Sinn Féin will give them that change. I'm not having a go, but I don't know whether they'll give them that change. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, well, I mean, the manifesto is good from Sinn Féin. People can buy into that. You know, people are, like, at the end of the day, you know, we don't know that, you know, you can't trust Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael, right? That goes without saying. I mean, the two well, of you them... You don't, yeah. Okay, some, people, don't, some people do. Some people do, but I mean... I, I don't can't trust, trust any of them. Oh, yeah, well, there you, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, how do you know a politician is lying? They're moving their lips. <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day... I must remember that one, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not saying you can trust any of them, but I mean, when you have two parties that were, you know, I suppose, rivals for so long, you know, since, since the, the state gained independence, you know, to say that they'd never go into a coalition together and then obviously they see the tide is changing young people are voting differently maybe it is for reasons as you said maybe it's not just fully 100% behind Sinn Féin maybe it's, maybe it's lack of trust in, in the other parties but I mean to go into a coalition together you know, you know, that just goes to show, like, you know, they know that grip on power is slipping, like, you know. But I haven't, I, I haven't seen, you know, as an opposition party, I haven't seen Sinn Féin oppose very much. Now, mind you, the only thing we've really witnessed is COVID-19 over the last two yeah, years. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, and they sang from the same he- shim- hymn sheet as government most of the time. So yeah. they did, I, I don't believe they oppose the government as much as they probably should for an opposition party. Right. No, fair point, fair point. But I mean, at the end of the day, what I say to people is, right, I mean, you can vote Sinn Féin in the next election. It's only one election. It's only four years or whatever the term is going to be. If you don't like what you see or you don't feel that, you know, 
they've actually lived up to, you know, what they said they will or their expectations. But mm-hmm. then you don't have to vote a second time for them. You okay, know but, what I mean? okay, but getting, getting back to the United Ireland, right? I mean, I'm still thinking about, you know, okay, you're obviously Republican uh, and that's fine and you support the Nationalist Party in Northern Ireland and that that wanting to have, you know, an All-Ireland Republic of Ireland, so to speak. But, I mean, there are people who've been living there, you know, second, third generation now, been living in in, uh, Northern Ireland and consider themselves British citizens uh, and subjects to the Crown. And, you know, it would be really unfair of us to say, you know, your opinion doesn't matter anymore. And I'm sorry, it's a united Ireland. Whether you like it or not, you're living on the island of Ireland. No, I wouldn't say their opinion doesn't matter. And I wouldn't just say let's force things through. We do have to have, you know, dialogue. We do have to come up with, you know, what is the best route that suits everybody. And, I mean, it's not going to suit 100% either side. But we have to come up with a way forward. But, I mean, you can say it's not fair on unionism now that, the, you know, we're talking about United Ireland. But it hasn't been fair on nationalists living there since, you know, since a province, in my opinion, became, you know, yeah, of course. a self-called country. Like, you know, I still class as a province of, 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 of Ireland as such, you know. But, I mean, you know, you had, you know, those Catholics couldn't go to Queen's University up until the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, the nationalist community have suffered for a long, long, long time in the North. And now, all of a sudden, because, you know, I don't know, like, you know, the way we looked on it was, back then was, the only way forward is, if you outbreed them, you can outvote them. And this is what's happening now. And what about, what, about, what about the affordability? Now, obviously, uh, the well, Professor like, Queen know, said some of it was a myth, but I mean, let's be clear about it. Northern Ireland doesn't make any money. Uh, no, and that's because it's a civil servant state. No. Well, it is a civil service state, and and not only that, it has one of the highest rates of disability, I believe, in Europe, because there's a lot of people who suffer post uh, yeah. traumatic stress from obviously the troubles. Yeah, so, of course. So, in saying that, there's a lot of disability payments up there, there's a, and the majority of people who work up there work for the state. So, what happens then? I mean, so we have a United Ireland. So, people who happen to work for, I don't know, the Department of whatever it is, the Revenue Commissioners or Children's Allowance or whatever it's, uh, social welfare, they're no longer working anymore. They'll have to work for the Irish government. I don't think we'll have enough work for them all. Well, you see, this is this is where we'll have to come up and draw up a plan to see. You know, I mean, this is where we have to get. You know, I suppose, you know experts in to, to tell us, like, you know, what they see, how far they see the economy growing and how quick it will grow, and, you know, what, what's, what's their opinion on it. But remember, Britain, if they are pulling out of Northern Ireland, if United Ireland was voted in, I mean, they still have to, an obligation there, I suppose, to financially support the North for, you know, whatever, an X amount of years before they completely live. You know, they were glad enough to stay there for as long as they could. You know what I mean? So, I mean... You can't just walk away from that. Like, you know, they have to, they would have to financially sustain, you know, certain aspects in the North for a, a certain period of time. Before. Well, I, well, I hope we have a few quid to do that because according to recent estimates, it was 16 billion euro or pounds, well, should I say, pounds. What well, I mean, how, yeah, but then we say how much could we grow together? You know what I mean? Oh, no, we I know. Both. Surveys have suggested that within eight years, we could economically flourish and we could all benefit from it. You know, so listen, it's, it's always going to be like, listen, it's a very, it's a very, I suppose, it's a very devised topic, like, you know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we'll always have people, you know, you have like Jamie Royston up there now at the moment, you'll always have people that will, you know, oppose everything. And that's on both sides. I'm not just having a go at unionism or royalism. That's on both sides, as we can see. But, I mean, the only way, I think, way forward is, you know, as we've done in the past, is at the ballot box. We go to the ballot. We put forward what people want to see. As, as that last chap said there that was speaking, like the people in Northern Ireland didn't vote 
to leave Europe. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was pushed upon them through voting to happen in mainland Britain as well. Like, do you know what I mean? So okay, well, look, I've got to go to a break. I don't know whether we should really subject the people, the 1.7 million people of Northern Ireland, subject them to Leo Varadkar and Michal Martin, but however they could be. Well, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they'd last too long up there now, you know. All right, listen, thanks very much indeed for that. But I'll, okay, Alan would vote yes. How would you vote if it came to a United Ireland? Not that you may not get a vote. You may get a vote, by the way, in a first referendum, you know, as to whether there should be a vote. Uh, That's probably what's going to have to happen. But as for the vote itself, for the border poll, I doubt very much indeed you will have a vote. And and rightly so. Why should the people of the South be voting on the destiny of the people of Northern Ireland, maybe? Uh, The number is 087-188-008. I really enjoyed your talk on um, Northern Ireland the last time that you did it and talking about, um, you know, potentially a referendum in the North and then coming back to the Republic. Um, Found it really informative and learnt a lot from it as well. Um, in black and white terms, obviously, yes, United Ireland is, is the ideal situation. Um, realistically, how doable that genuinely is, I don't know. Um, but I mean, yeah, in, in black and white terms, yeah, of course, United Ireland uh, from Ryan and Cork. Okay, Ryan and Cork. And Ryan, I get the impression. Did I, did I detect an English accent in there? I think I did detect a British accent in there. Uh, so, I, And I wonder how the people of Britain would... I think a lot of people of Britain would be glad to see the back of it, to be honest with you, because it costs them money as well uh, in their taxes. So maybe maybe a lot of people in Britain are quite happy to see Northern Ireland return to the Republic of Ireland. From a moral point of view, maybe they're quite happy because, you know, they feel they robbed it many, many years ago. Uh, the number is 87 Would you be in favour of it? I'm looking at some of the tax- Absolutely not, Niall. I pay enough taxes in this country. I'm not going to pay more taxes for the burden of having uh, six counties that make absolutely no money. Hmm. Well, I would say that some of the counties do make money. Antrim probably makes money. Um, I don't know about the rest of the the, the state. Uh, the number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. How would you vote in a United Ireland referendum? Of course we I vote yeah for a uh, 100%. Why did all our ancestors die? Stood outside GPOs and get shot and everything else for what? For people saying no, I have to pay taxes for it. Get up, Elva. Green, white, and orange. Come on, Ireland. Put us all back together. <laughs> you sound like a football supporter more than anything else. Um, somebody else, by the way, texts in. Please stop referring to the South of Ireland. Inverted commas. You live in Ireland. The Republic of Ireland. If you were in Dublin, you were in the east of Ireland. Cork, the south of Ireland. The name of the country is Ireland. The descriptor is the the Republic of Ireland. So Northern Ireland and Ireland. Well, you can call it what you want. I'll refer to it as the south of Ireland if I wanted. The same way as people in Northern Ireland would say to you, oh, you're from the south. They're not referring to Newry, are they? Or Cork, for that matter. They're referring to the whole of the south of Ireland, which is south of the border. That's what people refer to. So I'd refer to it the way I want to refer to it and you can refer to it whatever way you want to refer to it. All right. Keep texting. Keep WhatsApping. The number is 87 188 Now, let me go to Robbie, who's probably going to disagree with me anyway. Uh, Robbie, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Robbie? Well, they just sorted out the problem there. If we just have a United Ireland, then we won't have this North, South, East and West malarkey going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> do, why do you get offended, Robbie? I know you're kind of Republican to some degree. Point of, I am a Republican. Okay, so, but so, do you get so, offended when people say the South of Ireland? Um, no, well, I, I would say it as, I call, like, the, the six counties the six counties, you know. That, you don't, you don't call it Northern Ireland, no? No, I don't call it Northern Ireland, no. Why not? Um, or the North um, of Ireland? 
it's the north it's the northern part of Ireland, yeah, and then Cork is in the southern part. No, it's just I I call it like the six counties and then we live in the Irish Free State. You know, and that's that's what it was called originally, you know, so I'm not Technically being wrong. <laughs> okay, we're we're getting very pedantic here. Anyway, getting getting back to a, a border poll or the possibility of a united Ireland. Look, you know, we would like to see, as we mentioned at the very start of the show, this kind of thing could take time to work out. We need a lot of planning. Oh, yeah. Simon Coveney has Absolutely. his work cut out for him. But in saying that, it could come quicker now because of what Boris Johnson is going to do today in the legislation today, which could be quite damaging to the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah, I mean, look, if Boris Johnson told me the sky was blue, I'd pull back the curtains and check mm. to see what colour the sky was. I wouldn't believe a word that comes out of that man's mouth. And he's been proven over the years he's been in the Prime Minister's position. He's, he's loyal to the people of Britain as well. So um, Boris Johnson won't be there for this time frame when this happens anyway. It'll be somebody else. Because it's like the framework, as the professor there from Queen said, there's a, there's a framework that needs to be put in place for all this. And it's, and it's not just that it's a, it's a Republican thing wanting the United Ireland. It, it's very, very important. As Mary Lewis said on um, Sky News yesterday, that all Quite impressive, by the way, can I point out, Mary Lewis? And, and she was. Yes, yeah, she was. And the, the strange thing, she wasn't interrupted. You know, it's amazing when somebody doesn't get interrupted and when they're actually allowed to speak, they can speak some sense. I mean, you, you look at the likes of um, the, when the um, Good Friday Agreement was voted in. There was people both north and south who voted against that. So the whole thing is that you'll never get 100% of anything, no matter what it is that you do in life. You'll never get 100%. So you can't pander to a small minority who can tell the majority what they want if the majority of the people north and south I agree, Robbie. I agree, but this is a a very sensitive issue. Okay, and look, at at its total, the IRA members was only 1,800 people. So when you say, you know, just because a small amount of people would be upset, that small amount of people can do a lot of damage and that could bring back violence very, very quickly. Yeah, I I understand that. I understand that. If if things are not done properly, I mean. But that, that's why I'm saying that leadership has to be shown from all sides. Where it be loyalists, unionists, republican, nationalists, those in between, you know, the leadership has to come from everywhere. If the if loyalist people in general will not want to unite in Ireland, well, it's going to be up to the DUT and the likes of them to make sure that... But with the greatest respect, Robbie, they, they've gone through periods of time where they're incapable of forming a government. So, oh, I mean, we know that. Yes, yeah, so, so, I mean, I do, okay, Sinn Féin obviously have the majority vote at the moment, uh, although the Alliance, as I said, are doing well. But in saying that, you know, if they can't form an executive and form a government of their own, what chance have we got of them agreeing to a united Ireland or some sort of framework for a united Ireland? Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. You're not going to have that section of the... Northern, Northern Ireland, as you say, society to agree to it because they'll never ever agree to it ever. You know what I mean? And like the, the thing is that the the, the 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 argument is always kind of like, and including yourself as well. But what about the British people in the north as well? What about them? It's always about them. It's a fair argument, that, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it, there's also a fair argument. What that lad that was on Alan said. That there's also Irish people who are living. Yeah, I know, but, but at, well. the, at this point, at this point, you know, two two or three generations later, they all have to be respected because they all ended up in that position. None of the people, realistically, you know, who are when I when I go up and down all the time and I see British flags hanging out windows, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, most of those people weren't born before all this happened. They they grew oh, yeah. up they grew up in this, so that's not their fault. They consider themselves British people under the crown. 
part of the United Kingdom. And you yeah. can't just turn, turn around to them tomorrow and say, well, you can't refer to this as Britain anymore. It's now Ireland. Because well, they're not going to agree with you. No, because that, that's why it's got to be part of the framework that's put in place. That that changes. Like, this, this isn't going to change. And I, I don't think that the talk of this is going to come quicker than you think it is. What that means is it's not going to be two or three years down the line. This is going to be a lot longer than that is. Well, I don't know what about that. I, when, I, when, I, when I listen to what's going on at the moment, particularly because of Brexit and because of the Northern Ireland Protocol and the possibility that this legislation today could be quite damaging to the Good Friday Agreement and the possibility that some young fellow is going to stand with a uniform in the middle of the, the M1 at Newry stopping people to have a look in the boot of their cars. If that happens, it's all over. You know what I mean? Like, the, the thing is as well with, with the Brexit thing, I think one of the bonuses is for the six counties to come back into Ireland is that the, the reintroduction into the European Union could be a massive play, you know? And mm. as you know, I think I think the professor said that as well, that the, the door is open for us to become an all-Ireland economy within the European Union instead of being the, the, the state, uh, the two state, you know what I mean? So... That, that's one of the bonuses. And also as well is that you'll have foreign, an influx of foreign investment coming into the six counties as well from, from companies who will want to invest and um, take place there as well. So there's, there's loads of different things that will happen. But again, the frameworks will be put in place. And yes, there will be people who won't like it. Yes, there's people who want it. And that yes, there will be people whose mindset will be changed because of the carry-on of the Westminster government. And I'm talking that coming from the loyalist or unionist side as well, because they will see that, you know what, we're probably better off in an all-Ireland economy. Okay, well, stay, just stay there for a second. Let me go to Liz as well. Liz, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Liz? I am now. How are you doing? Liz, so you're, you're at the polling station. How would you vote? I'd vote now, to be honest, purely on the basis of economically. We just can't afford it. I just, like, we can't afford it on as it is. Well, I mean, look, there's no doubt. Look, it's not going to cost as much as German reunification, certainly, but it, and it, but it wouldn't be cheap, that's for sure. Um, and Northern Ireland has always been considered a financial burden to the UK, not an asset. But in saying that, some experts believe that in maybe eight or nine years with two countries, so to speak, coming together as one, we could benefit greatly in eight or nine years. Yeah, in eight or nine years. But, like, what are we going to do in them eight or nine years? As I said, as it is, we struggle to look after... I mean, look how many people that are supposedly homeless living in hotels mm-hmm. at the moment that yep. we can't afford. No, I mean, the influx of the likes of the Ukrainians that we can't afford. It's just, it's just another financial burden that the country cannot afford, that we'll either end up borrowing to support or the taxes will go up to support. Will we borrow anyway? Well, yeah, we probably will be borrowing anyway. But, but she has got a point, uh, Robbie. There's an expense involved in this and there's no guarantee... You know, there have, has been studies done that, yes, you know, it, Ireland can become more attractive from foreign investment, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. multinationals. And also, I suppose, that the idea of regenerating areas of Northern Ireland, which have been kind of ignored for years, yeah. uh, could help as well. But there's no guarantee of that. And Liz is right. There could be, it could be a permanent financial burden. I, I don't think so, because the, the experts are talking about know more about these financial things than me, you and Liz put together, you know. And the reports are, it takes... It takes time to have a hit, but in the, in the long term, uh, an all Ireland economy is more beneficial to this island than having a two state um, island, and, th- and that's that's the fact of the matter, and that's what the, that's what the experts are saying, and that's what's going to be put into the framework as well on this. Now, another thing is that saying that we can't afford the Ukrainians. That's I, I kind of don't really take that part because that's something that's happened, and everywhere in Europe are taking Ukrainians in, so it's an extra. Um, financial hit on every country in Europe but um, I, I think it's a bit 
disingenuous to kind of say the Ukrainians because it's what they're No, you're right. It's so, but that doesn't like what it's the Ukrainians right now. It's a, it's there's always other financial. I think yeah. I think the point. I, I don't yeah, think it's having a go. No, specifically no. them. I just there's always something else. And to pay for as well. Yeah, yeah that yeah, we have I mean, to, that I, we have to help support. And I've, like yeah. I don't mind doing that. It's just it's one more thing. It's one more but financial think, burden on the state that we generally can't afford. Like, I think like the problem of that that problems with the homelessness and so on and so forth. That that that's not coming from the six counties becoming part of the United Ireland. That's that's a case of mismanagement by Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael for a decade. Yeah, but you're yeah, talking that, about that, adding six more counties to mismanage. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the thing is that <laughs> you know, the Irish people, the Irish people are heading in between a different direction. The Nor- Northern Ireland is in a state of it, like it's, it's in a bad state by itself because they can't sort themselves out and govern it. And we're in a state because we can't do the same thing. So you're talking about bringing these two lots together and none of them have a clue how to manage. Yeah, so that's a fair be, point. It's more yeah. mismanagement. Yeah, it's mismanagement there, absolutely. I mean, um, the, the one in the six counties is a completely different mismanagement because of different political reasons. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the thing is that the, the island of Ireland is, is certainly moving in a de- different direction than it was, say, 50 years ago, because 50 years ago, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael would have an 85% of the forced preference votes. And the thing is, we've never, ever had a government in the free state without Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael being in government in the state. And that tells its own story there. And if people want change, change is something that comes from the ballot box. But, but, but in relation to the ballot box, so what do you do if you were to look forward in time to United Ireland? You've got the DUP and the Alliance Party. Uh, they couldn't become part of an all-Ireland government because they're never going to get enough votes. Uh, because no. in, a, in a national election, of uh, which would be 6.7 million people or maybe more, nearly 7 million people yeah. in the whole country, they're not going to get enough votes to become part of a, a, a government. So do you leave Stormont there and have a federal government, so to speak? I mean, you could do for a time, but again, that, that'll be all discussed, I would imagine, over time as well. But it, it'll take time for everything to come into place. That's why I say I don't see this happening in two or three years, because they just don't have the time frame there, is that? But um, the likes of the DUP and the UUP and the TUV or, and whatever else <laughs> other strand of unionism is there, they, they should be joining in together as one party, where Fianna Fáil and Fianna should be joining in as one party together. They're pretty much the two chiefs of the same arse. You know, so it's... It's, it's, it's a lot of conversations that need to be had and it's good that we're starting to have them now because right now we're at that page one of probably what's going to be a thousand pages but it's going to take a time and it's going to be a lot more than a thousand pages Robbie yeah but yeah I'm just saying you know, I'm not, I'm not, if they're not going to pay for their bins up there I'm not paying for my bins down here that's the way that's the kind of conversations that are going to be happening yeah. but, but listen Robbie I have for the big ones I have, to go, I have to go to a break. Listen, Robbie, thanks very much indeed. Loads of people, by the way, texting and WhatsApping in some voicemails as well. Let's have a listen to one or two of those. Hey, Niall, sorry I can't come on. I actually believe that we should have a united Ireland. And I, I hate hearing people, and especially Irish people, I hate hearing people saying, oh, you know, the financial this, the financial that. Like, people do create money up in Northern Ireland. Like, there are jobs. They do pay taxes. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not living off the welfare of the, they're not living off the government they're just people there provide their own so even if we were to spend a little extra even if we were to spend a little extra it wouldn't be a lot and it's for our people it's for our Irish people it's for our country I don't get this like I'm 100% behind doing everything we can to help and support people from Ukraine and, and, and other countries do you know what I mean 
But do it for our own force as well. Don't be so begrudgery. <laughs> I, I'm flabbergasted that this is even coming into question with people. There you go. She's flabbergasted. I'll play some more of your WhatsApp audio messages after the break. Keep sending them in at 087-188-0008. All right, let's play some of your audio, WhatsApp audio, and see what you have to say. Niall, how are you? Uh, ideally, it would be fantastic to have a 32-county Ireland, but reality would, well, I'm not so sure. The devil needs to be in the detail for me. Uh, are we going to still need the same flag, the national anthem? Mm-hmm. Um you know, like what story? Obviously, they're going to lose their currency up there. How are they going to, you know, the price of their houses? It's just mm-hmm. so many things. That road tax is going to jump. Who's going to subsidise all this? How much is going to cost? How much trouble is it going to cost? Mm-hmm. And then, like these so-called experts said that Brexit was going to be brilliant. Are these the same experts now? They're saying that this is going to work. No, I don't know, no, and I, I, I can't, I, I just wouldn't trust anybody to get this right. You're talking about people, an Irish good, but they can't even keep the streets down here. You're going to ask these same same idiots to try and call it what way it's going to be after everybody says, yeah. I just don't trust them, no, sorry. Okay, well, you and a lot of people, by the way, don't trust them to get it right, and you are right, there are a lot of complications in relation to the flag. We would have to be respectful to other people, and I think it's on. I think, as Mary Lou said before, even Sinn Fein has said this before, all these things are on the table. In other words, all open for discussion. Whether we change the national anthem because that would be disrespectful uh, to some people in Northern Ireland, should we change that as well? To change it might be disrespectful to nationalists and republicans. So a lot of arguments there. And relation, yeah, you're right. The currency would have to go. Um, well, no, if yeah, well, Northern Irish people would have to adopt the euro because we're part of the European Union. So the currency wouldn't change down here, but it would have to change for the people of Northern Ireland. They'd stop using sterling. And yes, that could affect the prices of everything and property prices and all sorts. It affects everything. Patrick, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Patrick? How you doing, Neil? Good. Very complicated situation. And, and I absolutely wholeheartedly agree with the previous caller left the message in. You know, our own government seemed reasonably un- incapable of operating a country down south. So how could we do both? Exactly. Like, you know, there'd be, there'd be an awful lot of complications along the lines, like, you know, if, if it ever did happen, like, you know, but, uh, the text that I sent in, um, was if, if the border poll went ahead and was passed, like, you know, I, I, I actually honestly think that, uh, Ireland, the 26 counties would turn into the six counties up above, but with the loyalists coming down here. So, so you believe they'll be returned to violence? I, I actually don't think they're, they're going to sit down and um, no, take it so. happily, no. like Nassau. Like no, so I, I can I, see bombs going off all over, uh, you know, like so Galway and Cork and Limerick and whatever. Like Nassau. Okay, so you see a return to violence? Yes. By, yeah, by unionists instead of this time around, by unionists rather than by the nationalists is the last well, time Well, it, it would be exactly the reverse. Yes, like also, yeah, of like, course. I mean, they, 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 the Republicans went... Did whatever they did up there, and the loyalists, I reckon, will reckon that they'll have to do that. And, and it only takes, as somebody said earlier on, but you know, it, it would only be a small amount of people that would have that feeling or that kind of resentment. And I'm going, well, it only takes a small amount because at any That's one up. time in the Troubles, there was only 1,800 members of the IRA. So it, it, it would only take 10. Yeah. Like, you know, so, and that's a, or even five, like, mm-hmm. you know, so one, I know one little group, like, you know, so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so, what then what's the, so what's the answer? Um, or is there an answer? Not, not at the minute, like, you know, especially the way the politics are going up in, in, in the six counties now at the minute, like, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, nobody's getting on, nobody's talking, 
everybody wants their own little thing, like you know, and nobody's getting anything, like you know, and they're ju- they're just like uh, children throwing the toys out of the cot. toys out of the pram, <laughs> like you know, so, and that's exactly what it is, like you know, so like you know, well, if we're not getting it, you're not getting it, like you know, so. And then we have all the other complications that I spoke about earlier on, which is the health service, you know, where where people are going to work, who are they going to work for, because the majority of people work for the state in the north, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's a, there's a huge amount of complications, yeah, right, right down to who pays for their bins. That that will take years and years and years to sort out, like you know, and like you said, like you know, so many people. If, if it did happen, like you know, and I and I do hope it happens, like you know, don't get me wrong, like you know, but if it does happen, like you know, so many people up in up up in six counties are going to lose their jobs because mm-hmm. this government don't. Can hear you imagine telling somebody? Can you imagine telling somebody the six counties? I'm sorry, you have to pay fifty five euro to see a doctor now. Yeah. And you have to pay for your prescription as well, by the way. Where is it? They pay for nothing up there. Nothing. No, I, I, I used to live up in Lurgan um, mm-hmm. in Armagh uh, about 30 years ago now, like now. Mm-hmm. So, and I asked friends of mine up there, like, you know, would you like to see it? Like, you know, and this is, oh, yeah, with, with our hearts. Yeah, no problem. Like, you know, but financially, yeah, not, not a notion. Like, you know, and that is, I'm sure that hasn't changed. No, like, I, no, I only heard somebody the other day saying she has a face like a Lurgan spade. Did you ever hear that? <laughs> well, <laughs> did, you, did you ever hear that say? I, I, I'll have to say now that all the girls that I met in Lurgan now were gorgeous. <laughs> but where does that even come from? She has a face like a Lurgan spade. <laughs> I haven't a clue. I don't I, even I, know I, what I a Lurgan spade is. is. It's the first time I heard it. <laughs> all right, listen, thanks very much indeed. Appreciate you coming here, Patrick. All, all right, right you talk to you later. All right, all right, let's play some of your audio on WhatsApp as well. Why would anybody in their right mind living up in the north of Ireland um, want to come under air rule? Mm. Sure, our government or the EU have us all at our knees at the moment, and it's not likely to change in the uh, future. So, I mean... Why? Why? Exactly. Why? <laughs> well, uh, the reason for why is because all the conversations happening at the moment is because legislation, which will be uh, a bill which will be published today by the British government, uh, seems to go against international law with regards to goods, uh, new goods being checked crossing the border between Northern Ireland and Republic of Ireland. And it does have a risk of having a customs border back in Uri again, although I hope and I don't think we will ever see that happen. But I would like to think it won't happen again. But if Boris Johnson had his way, it probably would. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.